0: Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world.
1: Father, thank you this day for a glorious time in your presence. Thank you that you have separated the day of the Lord, that we could witness these things that convict our hearts to get serious about God and about family and about raising children, sons and daughters who love and know God. We pray, Father God, that you give us grace to be faithful, that your spirit would fall upon us, that we would saturate our schedule and our treasure and our talents so that we could make our ways to the purposes of God. Because the glory of this world fades, but the glory of God never fades. It grows more and more bright with every moment. So we pray that your word would lead us in our steps in this direction. That we would be the wisest people in the world because we fear God. That we would walk in your ways of utmost treasure and not the vanity of hoarding wealth, Lord. Allow us to build up a portfolio in heaven that our treasures would be up there. The time you have given us upon the earth to serve your kingdom and to raise up those that will change generations, Lord. That is to be rich and wealthy and wise, We pray that your word today would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that we might walk in a manner that pleases you every moment of our lives, that we might seek the will of God, that we might eat and nourish ourselves from the bread of life, which is your word, that we might have that bread planted in seed form this morning, for your word is the good seed that brings forth good fruit in the hearts of men and women father we know that your harvest glorifies our father in heaven that we bear much fruit is your desire so we pray that nothing hinders your word for our hearts and our lives this day and we pray that it would be a double-edged sword that would pierce our hearts and move us in the direction of god's affections and sentiment this we pray in jesus name and everyone says amen in genesis chapter 1 verse 2 this is the first book of the bible And it's the second verse of the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. The Bible says that the earth was in a formless and empty existence. It was dark. This is the word tohu and bohu in Hebrew. Formless, without form, without order, and empty, void, unfruitful, no existence, no matter, is bohu. Tohu and bohu are very familiar in our church because they're the two Greek words that, produce, that are produced by the unfruitful works of darkness. If you want to let the devil lead your life, he's going to lead you into despair and loss, emptiness. There's no existence. This is the most dark and depraved existence that any man could live. It's ruins without end. It's ruins without anything getting better. And so this existence is what we can define the word as lost. Lost. And when we're talking about this year setting our mind on lost, on others, we have to understand that the vast majority of human existence upon the earth is in Tohu and Bohu. They're not listening to God. They're not living like God wants them to live. And so they have dark and unfruitful lives, despair, depraved. They don't enjoy. I was just talking to uh, Francis, Javier's uh, wife, yesterday at the baby shower, Um, and she tells me... Uh, That she ran into a woman at the gym and and she says, why are you happy? Why are you joyful? You talk about your husband with such joy, with such uh, satisfaction. And my life is horrible and I'm going to get a divorce from my husband. And and she begins to pour out her state. And then she says, I don't even know why I'm telling you this. She's telling her because she's desperate. She's out without knowing what direction to take. And so she's taken a liking to... Uh, Francis' testimony of how she enjoys her husband, she enjoys her children, she enjoys her family, she enjoys life, she enjoys God. And so this woman starts, I don't know, she might be here this morning, but she goes, I want what you have. I want to, in other words, stop being lost. I want to stop being in darkness. I want to stop being empty and unfruitful and formless. And so our charge to care about others is our, inten- our attention to the fact that we're surrounded by lost people everywhere, in every direction. Yesterday I was driving home after uh, doing a little bit of uh, re- rebuilding, re- restoration, demoli- demolition at the house. And, and this man was carrying a sign and he says, I lost everything. And I was like, I know what that feels like. Let me talk to this man. Excuse me, sir. How did you lose everything? Right? The question, why why are you lost? How are you lost? What's going on in your life? So I stopped the car. Because I believe that if somebody has a sign and he's saying, I don't know the direction I'm to take. And you know the direction. And you don't stop and give him and point the way. You must be wicked and depraved. There must be something wrong with your life. If you're seeing someone like the woman at the gym or this man on the street, and I said, how did you lose everything? And he says, she took it all. I don't know if there was a hurricane with a woman's name. Maybe that came by. But I I said, who who, who is she? I knew who he was talking about. My wife. I lost it all because she took it all. Well, where did she take it? She went up to Gainesville with her sister, and she took the children with her. And I said, oh, why don't you do me a favor, call me, because I was thinking in my brain, I know that he's playing the victim, that the truth of the matter is that she did not take it all. The issue is he doesn't have the one that puts it all together, and he needs that person, and and so we can help him with that. And so he doesn't have to go around with a sign, she took it all. I lost everything it's not true. A woman doesn't have the ability to strip you of everything that you have. It's important that we would see our plight upon the earth in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, as Paul describes it to the Corinthians. The loss of not knowing where you're going. The Bible says the God of this age talking about Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers these, these people go around with blindfolds and they cannot see the direction they're going in. They don't even know the direction they're going on. These unbelievers, so they cannot see the light of the gospel. And they cannot dis- see the display of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. They don't understand how God connects to make life have direction and purpose and and. And forget about GPSs. When you're following Christ, you're hitting the mark. You're hitting the bullseye. You're living life in abundance. But when you don't have Christ, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So you see them talking in despair. You see them talking with no hope, with no expectation of a good future. See, if you add God to the ingredients, we were talking to my brother yesterday. I said, add God to the ingredients of any man's future and I see glory. Add, add the purpose of God to any man and I see life. I don't see death. I don't see sickness. I don't see darkness. I don't see problems. I see what, the, what Jesus says, the light of the gospel displays the glory of God. In John 10.10, 10, He says, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. But there's one that comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. There's someone that wants to deplete you of all your nutrients and assets so that you are despised among all. And that is the state of being lost. And Paul describes it. And Jesus says emphatically in Luke 19.10, he says, I have come to seek and to rescue the lost. He talks about others as being in this perpetual dark existence of chaos, a labyrinth of I don't know where I'm going and I don't know how to get to my destiny. The Son of Man came for the purpose to find out who were not on the journey and to rescue those who were lost. The word that they use here is apalume, uh, the word lost, to save the apalume. What's apalume? Those that have been separated and are destined to ruin. There is no bright future for those that are not found. I'm going to ask the worship team to get that song together, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was once blind, but now I see. There's something supernatural about the life of Jesus, the, the fellowship with God, the following his instruction that gives you a, a correct moral compass to your destiny and pursuit. And so it's really important that we would see this. Matthew ten sixteen, he says, I go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was always concerned with those who had lost their way, those who were not hearing I'm sending you out like sheep amongst wolves. I'm sending you out there with people that don't have a portrait of understanding. Luke 15, 1, he he goes to his own. They, They thought they were found. And in Luke 15, he surrounded, verse 1, with tax collectors. And sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. They were drawing near to hear what was his message. And what is the message that Jesus would like us to hear? If even if he was here right now, he would gather us and begin to talk to us about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. He gives them three parables of things that are lost. Things that, that, have, that have been... Uh, let's go to verse 2. It says, The Pharisees and the scribes, the spiritual leaders and teachers of the law, they, murder, they, they muttered. And they said, This man... He approximates to sinners and eats with them. This man welcomes sinners. He he has his arms open to the loss. And, and, and a lot of Christians don't. A lot of Christians are, are very jealous about us keeping our little group, but the truth of the matter is to have the heart of Christ is to concern yourself with those that are around you that don't know their way. Are you so busy that you can't even feel for their loss? Uh, Sometimes lost people begin to talk about how good it is. And how good it is is not very good when Jesus is not in the picture. doesn't matter what portrait they paint, how much money they have, or how wealthy they are, or what the business is. If they're not following the direction of God for their purpose, they're lost as the homeless man is lost. They're lost as a prostitute is lost. In verse 3, he says... Then Jesus told them this parable. He begins to speak with them. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine and in the open country and go and after the lost sheep until he finds it? Go after that lost sheep until he finds it. When he finds it, he's joyful. He puts it on his shoulders. He carries it back, verse 6, and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbor. And he says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I, I, there's no greater story for me to see how God brings in those that were lost. Roll, stand up. Look at this man. Woo! Danny, stand up. Stand up. Nick, stand up. Awesome. George Smith, stand up. Caracal, stand up. Alex, stand up. Ephraim is already standing. There's nothing more glorious than lost that are found. Amen. These guys are all champions, every single one of them. And, and just very, just short years ago, for some months, for some weeks ago, did not have a clue what a man was, what a, a son was, what a family man, what a father is. No clue. And we can recall all the men here. You guys can sit down. But these are men that that are coming to Christ. And there's no more a glorious testimony than a man that says, I didn't have a clue. And now I know the answer. I'm hitting the bullseye. I'm going in that direction. Really powerful. Last night at the wedding, Alex Caldron, who came in here five years ago and then disappeared, then came back, then disappeared, then came back. But he wants Jesus. And at his wedding, and he doesn't have a father. He doesn't have brothers that are Christians. He says, Pastor, there's not going to be any alcohol in my wedding. I'm saying, you're a champion. He says, and I did did the music, and I ran. All the music is going to be Christian music, and I picked it out. It's going to be Jesus the whole night. That's a champion. That's someone who is lost, had no direction. And his son last night was going around saying, my dad's a champion. My dad's a world changer. My dad has a clue now because a couple of years ago he had no clue. There's a, a video of a, a, a sheep. You've got to watch this. Some of you guys think you don't need to, to connect. You're just as lost as all these others. But let's watch this video real quick so you can see what happens to the condition of a sheep when he disconnects for a brief period of time. This is six years. Watch this.
0: The absurdly fluffy sheep, who got a nation talking is completely unrecognizable this afternoon, after losing a record-breaking 40 kilograms of fleece in an epic shearing session. At a media appearance on Thursday, the Canberra sheep, which was blinded by excess wool covering its eyes, appeared trim and comfortable in a green blanket. An RSPCA spokeswoman told Vets said the sheep known as Gris, appeared to be doing relatively well but will remain under observation for some time. The Animal Welfare Agency is hoping he will find a new home soon, suggesting a local farmer may open his paddock for the sheep. Not much is known about how exactly the sheep managed to balloon to its incredible size. It looks like he was separated from his herd at some point, and has been wandering around by himself for a couple of years, the spokeswoman said. A local walking group spotted Chris several times recently, but he continued to evade authorities until a sighting approximately a week ago. It took days for the RSPCA to muster the manpower required to capture him. The sheep's fleece, shorn off by four-time national shearing champion Ian Elkins, officially weighed in at 40.45 kilograms, easily topping the previous record holder. The overcoat clipped off Shrek, a renegade New Zealand sheep who was on the run from authorities for six years, weighed in at around 27 kilograms. It took around an hour and two separate passes with the clippers for Mr Elkins to remove, approximately 12 inches of wool from Chris. A fleece of this humongous size causes health problems, said RSPCA, chief executive Tammy Dange. It can actually make it impossible for them to go to the bathroom. We don't know how bad the damage could be because this has been building for a while. The layers upon layers, of matted wool, also mask any signs of infection it may be experiencing. It's not the first time Australia has witnessed a sheep balloon to its current size. The RSPCA, has said there has been a number of cases where sheep have lost their flock and lived in the wild. If it, growing fleece like this, was done deliberately, it would be a cruelty case, but in many cases it's not, sometimes it's just a lost sheep," Ms. Dange said. In September 2014, a sheep named Sean was discovered living in the Tasmanian bush, after going missing for at least six years, according to the ABC. Sean's fleece weighed just under at 23.5 kilograms, and pictures at the time showed bruises and bleeding along the leg.
1: Infection, blindness, the renegade sheep who abandons the flock and is lost. Predators come and devour when it goes and finds the one amongst the hundred that is gone. This is our God's game plan for our day and age. It's his concern. In verse 7, he begins to tell about the parable of the lost coin. In the same way I tell you, when a sinner is turned over, there will be more rejoicing in heaven for one sinner that repents than for 99 who have not gone astray, who have not need to repent. Verse 8. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins, And loses one, doesn't she light a lamp? The curious becoming aware of our surrounding. You're not there to go shopping or be at a restaurant. You're not there to work. You're there to be attentive to see those that are around you that are crying out. Sweep up the house, get organized, search carefully until you find it. This was the second parable the first of the sheep, the second of the coin. And then he finishes up. Let's go to verse 9. She says, and when she finds it, she calls her friend and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found a lost, my lost coin that which belonged to God. And then finally, you have uh, verse 10. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents, one lost person who finds their way back to the fold, back to the house, back to where they're valued. Do you understand that outside of God, the devil treats us like we're animals, that we're all insignificant, that there's nothing important? The program American Idol last year, we talked about they're, they're picking ones among 33,000. How many know that all those 33,000, God has a plan for, and God calls them champions, and they are the, the stars that were to shine bright in God's purpose Yet they're there with this guy, Simon Cowell, who says, Oh, you're not the one, you're not the one, you're not the one, you're not the one, you're not the one. When they are the one. But nobody has told them that they are the one. That God has chosen them in Christ to be significant and powerful and purposeful in the will of God. Doing what God has created for them to do. What a travesty parents who send their children off to become somebody when they are somebody. God has a purpose and a plan with each and every single human being to be a champion and to be crowned with the glory of God. Every single one. To be able to find our purpose and to shine bright is our destiny. And then finally, he says in verse 11, Luke 15, three um, parables to show those that were around him why he was hanging out with sinners. There was a man who had two sons. And the one son picked up, verse 12, And he said like this, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate. So he divided his property between them. Say between them. They both got the inheritance at that time. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got up and he left. He he got together all he had and set off for a distant country, disconnected. The same word lost. To be separate and apart, destined to ruin. There he squandered his wealth and his wild living And the Bible talks about this son coming back. He says this son that was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. And that's the connection that God wants us to have in our hearts this morning as we pursue others. When Paul writes Romans in chapter 8, he finishes off in the last two verses telling people how they are champions in Christ. Uh, Romans 8, 29 And he says that we were created in the image of God to live out the life just like God in Christ lived it out. And then he says right there in verse 38, he says, For I am persuaded, I'm convinced of this, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nothing present or future, there's no power, verse 39... There's no height, no thing tall enough, no thing deep enough. There's not anything else in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This man in that declaration is probably the highest praise of of, of victory and 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 existence. I'm I'm on my way to hit the bullseye and nothing can stop me. I have found my direction. And so this guy, and I believe a lot of us can do that. Every every single one of us could sit there and say, you know something, now that I have found my way, nothing can stop me now. Nothing can slow me down. I'm going to be able to attain all that God has for me in this life. I live each moment of every day saying, God, fulfill your plan with my life. That's all I'm I'm cared for. About five years ago, uh, no, it was three years ago, Nick came up to me after graduating from high school, my oldest son. And he said to me, Dad, how will I know that I will do well in life and that I will prosper? How will I have that assurance? I said, because God's eyes are upon you and everything you do will be glorious and great. And he's had your back until now and he's going to carry you through. You don't have to sweat it. You don't have to worry about it. Once we begin to tell our kids that that nothing will be able to separate them from the purpose of God in their life, they're destined to be champions. They don't have to worry. They don't have to be like those that are lost that are mesmerized, all all these uh, TV programs and movies about being lost. People are like, oh, I'm lost, and and how do I get off the island, and Survivor, and all this stuff. I'll tell you how. His name is Jesus. And that will get you off your selfish island, and you'll be on, on your destiny to concern yourself. You'll be so taken care of. I was saying that this week on Wednesday. Those of you that don't come on Wednesday, you're missing out a banquet. I don't know what you're eating, but I know it's not what God has for you. What God has for you on Wednesday nights is the banquet table of the Lord. Don't despise the table of the Lord. Come and we had the Lord's Supper this week. You might have missed it. Every first week of the month, we have the Lord's Supper. And, and then every Wednesday, we have the banquet table of the Lord. He's speaking to his people in private, personal matters so that we can be champions and stop this, this craziness existence about being lost. Well, Paul is sitting there. And and he's basking in the great glory of the victorious nature of being a Christian. That nothing, he says, now that you're in my hands, no one will take you away. No one can be able to take you out of my hand and purpose for your life. And so Romans 9.1, he begins to think about those that aren't in Christ. He starts thinking about, man, I have cousins that they don't even know what God is doing. I have relatives. I have neighbors. I have friends. I have brothers. He says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. This is right after he celebrates. He goes into deep sadness. And he says, I can't, I can't put this away because it, it lays heavy upon my heart. I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. Verse 2. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Paul, what's going on? You just threw a party. You just told us everything is together. Then why are you so sad? He says, because there's people that are lost. Verse 3. I could wish that I would be a curse myself and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race who don't know the Lord. Verse four, these people of Israel, the tens of thousands and millions of people that are out there and have no clue of what it is to be in Jesus, to be found. The greatest invitation you could give anyone is to bring them to the Lord. The greatest gift you could give anything is not a Starbucks gift card, it's bringing them to church. Letting them to see what happened here this morning with the transition of the youth leadership. To have a vision of 10, 15 years down the road for their families. To not, to not be fooling around with the things that are precious and great. And he says these people, they belong to God. They're, God is waiting to adopt them as sons. This is not religion, people. This is not denomination. This is not a spring of life church. Wow, what a great church. No, this is a great God. Is a great Savior. it's a great adoption process. He has adopted us as sons. You're not to feel as, as just a one who is an acquaintance or a visitor to church. You're the son of God. A super divine revelation of knowing that nothing, you'll lack nothing your whole life. Because there's huge inheritance for the sons. There's the divine glory. A vestiment of glory is that God comes and he, he, he lays upon you a covering that is visibly manifest. It's tangible. People notice it. They see it. That's why that woman was able to go up to Francis in the gym. You're different. You have peace. You have joy. Where, where are you? I'm going there. Last night at the wedding, at Alex's wedding, his best man, he says, I need to go where Alex is going because I'm seeing the glory of God in his life. I've known him my whole life, but now I see glory upon him. This guy, listen to me. You have no idea. This is like Tony Montana on steroids. He's the worst criminal in Miami. A Paul going after in the drug trade. A bodyguard, a hoodlum. And now in Christ, he's a champion. And his best friend says, I want to be like him. I want to go where he went. Give me this makeover. Theirs is the divine glory. Theirs is the covenants. The covenants is not based on what we do. It's based on what God has said. The new covenant in his blood. He says, I'm going to do it no matter what. I'm going to do what I have promised to do. The receiving of the law. This is what people don't have the roadmap. They're living life without the owner's manual. They're not connected. They don't know what the word of God says. They have the temple where they worship. They have the promises of God. Verse 5. This is what Paul is saying. If only they would come and see that not only they have all these things we've mentioned, but the patriarchs, to have spiritual dads like Kenny, have spiritual dads like Joey and Jose Palma, spiritual fathers that are able to speak wisdom. Yesterday, My brother was talking to his oldest daughter. They were in my backyard and and they were talking. I came up and I saw a daughter and a son and a father speaking. I said, I love father's wisdom. I love when a child sits next to the father and just is inquiring about things in life. And this is belonged to us, the people of God. You're not to live life without a father who concerns himself to speak fatherly advice. He says, to them are the patriarchs. From them is traced the human ancestry. They have a lineage that connects them to Jesus. See, my grandchildren will have a lineage that connects them to Jesus because my sons are are real Christians. They're they're not flaky philosophy, religious. They're real. They got the legacy of the blessing and, and that legacy says the human ancestry of the Messiah. There's some people in the world that do not have that, that passing down from generation to generation to generation, how awful it is when a father tries to give his daughter her ancestry in the Messiah, and she says, no, I don't, want, I, don't, I don't want to be connected. I want to be separate. I want to be destined to ruin this Messiah who is God over all, forever be praised. I want to encourage you this morning that, that you be attentive about these issues and that you be conscious of the fact, if Paul can have an effect, a sentiment in his heart, saying, "Look, I'm in like Flynn, I'm, I'm, I'm basking in God's favor and His goodness and His promise in his embrace, in his spirit and his I'm just walking in the Lord in the word of God, and, and you cannot see the person right next to you that is destitute, your very brother, your very sister your very aunt and uncle, and that you're unfazed with getting them what they need. And then he lists all the benefits of those that are not lost. I I want to rejoice with you this morning of the nine privileges we have to have been found. You do your own little roadmap there. If you're not connected to these nine privileges about being found, you might be lost and don't even know it. I think that's the worst state of all thinking like the Pharisees were, and that's why he gives the three parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sons is because those Pharisees were lost. They didn't even know that they were disconnected from the reality of God's heart and passion. And so we have Ephesians 2.12, and this is the definition of being lost. It says, remember that at one time, remember that at one time you were lost from Christ. You were, you were out there. You're trying to find. And some people are trying to find in a nightclub, in, in some type of hobby or sport, or even in their work. They're separated from Christ, and it says they are excluded from the citizen. Remember, rights go to citizens. The nine privileges go to those that are found. Excluded you were as a citizen in Israel, and you were a foreigner of the covenants of the promises of God. And so that renders you without hope and without God in this world. Let's stand this morning and ask God to give us that sentiment that Paul had. I don't, I don't know what it is to say, I wish I wouldn't be saved unless my brother or sister would be saved. I don't know what that is. What would you go through to try and get them to understand what you're living in peace? Now, some people want to overbear this thing. Remember, the, the, the gospel is balance. You got to be careful that you're not swallowed by a wolf. You have to rescue the sheep, but not the wolf. Let's watch this video because this lady, she thinks that this animal could be a pet. This lady's insane. <coughs> Let's watch this video real quick. Okay. We
0: go. Ten <laughs> two.
1: Gentle. Gentle. Gentle.
0: Gentle. There's no
1: gentleness in wolves, my friends. They're predators to cheat. Good girl. Gentle. Gentle.
0: Gentle.
1: This lady is insane. Gentle. 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 Good girl. girl. This is a man who's married and tries to witness to his ex-girlfriend. He's going to get swallowed.
0: Yeah, I'll make it small for you. Gentle, oh, gentle, gentle. No need to be so, you know, <coughs> anyone would think it was the last bead, <coughs> your last supper jelly. Meet me at Starbucks, there, I want to know, talk to
1: we'll you about Jesus, right? Minute. And then we never see him again.
0: Gentle, 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 that's a girl.
1: Let's ask God for wisdom. He says he sends us out as sheep amongst wolves, but we're out to discern the lost. We're out there to discern the hearts of those that are disconnected and need to be connected. And going through our days of fasting, we can pray that God would help us grow in awareness, a discerning of the heart for those people that are not enjoying what you enjoy naturally. The Bible says that he who eats too much honey loathes that which is sweet. That means you're having so much of Jesus that you don't even realize that somebody next to you doesn't have him. And you that have him, you use it as a luxury to not show up, to not participate, to not to serve. And that's a travesty. I pray that God give us all a heart for the lost and we could discern and help and and throw a lifeline out there to people that need the Lord. Father, thank you today for this word thank you for the word of God that is a lamp unto our feet Jesus surrounded by those who question why he would be around sinners and then you begin to feed the heart of God with the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son help us experience the joy of finding that which is lost in the rubble in the craziness of this world there's precious sheep that are lost and distant from the fold and from the pastor, from the shepherd. The lost coin, valuable things that are worth much and they don't know because they've been lost and displaced and disconnected. And then sons that walk away ignorantly, taking their treasures to a distant land and becoming lost because of willful choice to be disconnected. Allow your grace to come upon us today. That our hearts may be transformed in your presence. Let's sing this song to the Lord. Tell the Lord to make you an instrument in his hands to reach the lost. after me God thank you for saving me I once was lost now I'm found I was blind but now I see let me see the lost that still don't know you help me to reach out to them and to bring them so that heaven rejoices when the lost sheep, the lost,
2: sheep,
1: the lost coin, the lost coin and, the lost and the lost son comes home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. My men, Monday night, tomorrow night, all the men, seven, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock.